This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, 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 welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is a joy to be with everybody today on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I'm Santita Jackson. I'm so glad to be with you today. I hope that you all are having a great day already. Rise and shine and give God your glory, glory. It's a great, great, great day. We've got a lot to talk about. Black women and hair chemical straighteners, relaxers. Uh, so many of us get them, and um, we're finding uh, there are still there are studies that are as long as 25 years that show that it heightens the risk of uterine cancer for black women. Yeah, uh, everything you put on your body. You know, we we were told to use Vaseline. Well, you might as well go on and take a bath in an oil slick in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> yeah, got to be careful. So we're going to be talking about that um, with a noted cosmetologist and brilliant lawyer, uh, attorney April Prayer, uh, because there are now lawsuits that are being filed on behalf of women who have seen this. And then there's some women who say, I just can't quit the relaxer because this is the style that I need to wear. And, you know, we've had lawsuits about wearing braids and wearing our hair in a natural state. A natural state if it's kinky. They don't mind it as much if the curl is loose. Right, Pastor? Ooh, colorism is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so, and we understand that. So we're going to be talking about that. And then I will be talking about the Chicago mayoral race, of course, on January 26th. WCPT will be hosting a mayoral debate. You've got to be there. It is going to be something really, really Really special. Very, very excited about that. And then uh, we have got to talk with John Nichols about what happened with these classified documents uh, retrieved from uh, President Biden's office. The office that he had, uh, along with, uh, I think, with Penn, uh, that um, that housed you know a lot of his papers. It was in his president, the office that he used post vice presidency, and so you found classified documents there. Now his lawyers found them, and they went to the Justice Department. So there are differences between uh, what happened with Mar-a-Lago and all of that, but there are a lot of questions, and so we'll be talking about that. But there's also a Wisconsin uh, state Supreme Court race. Uh, we're looking at all of these progressives in Congress. There are more progressives in the U.S. House of Representatives than ever before, than ever before. So can't wait to talk with our dear, beloved John Nichols of The Nation magazine about that, the national correspondent. So everybody, let's get right to it. Let's get to some of these headlines so that we can get on with the rest of the show in Chicago. It's going to be a nice day, 43 degrees, partly cloudy on Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 32 degrees and cloudy. College football, well, Georgia back-to-back championships, 15-0, and an unblemished record this year. Congratulations to them. TCU, 65-7. It was a romp, but you got there, 13 to 2. And so congratulations to all of you combatants on the field of athletic battle. In the NBA, the Celtics 107, the Bulls 99. Uh, And in the NHL, the Wild will be playing the Rangers. 
Severe weather, more than 34 million people in the southwestern U.S. are under flood watches today as a powerful storm continues to batter California in the past 24 hours. Up to seven inches of rain fell across lower elevations of the state. Classified documents from President Joe Biden's time as vice president were discovered in a private office last fall. Last fall, Biden's attorneys acknowledged yesterday. It is unclear what the documents pertain to or why they were taken to Biden's private office at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, a space that the then vice president used as part of his, well, the po- in his post-vice presidential life, that he used as part of his relationship with the University of Pennsylvania. House Republicans on Monday approved a rules package for the 118th Congress of what marked the first test of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's ability to navigate his slim Republican majority. The package governs how the House will operate for the next two years and includes key concessions McCarthy made to GOP hardliners to secure his leadership position, including the ability for any single member to call a vote to oust him. And those are just some of the headlines on this Antita Jackson show. And and the newly retired pastor, teaching pastor of Salem Baptist Church, he's got a lot of other great things in his future, we're very, very excited about that. But, you know, as as one door, um, as you shut one door, God has opened so many more for you. And you're still on Facebook Live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. And uh, we encourage everyone to look you up. But I'm so glad. Uh, I'm just sending all of my love. I need to reach out to Pastor Meeks and get him on here because to pastor for 40 years and to build this mighty, mighty church, incredible. But for your father to inherit um, the church that has been in your family now for what, three, four generations? Yeah, four generations. 88 years. That never happens. Of course, uh, <laughs> a uh, Pastor Steve's grandfather and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King were very, very close friends, and they had a jocular relationship. He called him boy baby because uh, the Thurstons don't age. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to make you Dorian Gray because that's evil. But, you know, <laughs> don't age. I don't know. But it's wonderful. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't. But you do good things. And so give us some good news today. We do need that good news. And everyone, I want you all to call me if you're getting relaxers. And if you're going to stick, if you'd rather fight than switch. If you'd rather stick with these relaxers, which are proving to be injurious to our health. We're going to be talking about that at the bottom of the hour. Pastor Thurston? Listen, Santita, I want to celebrate the fact today and give you the good news that it's okay to embrace the new chapter. Because like most people, I've tried to control many aspects of my life. And this hasn't always worked out in my favor. It's just when I thought I had it all under control, life would inconveniently show me many, many, many times that I was getting just a little bit too cocky. You name it, I've tried to control it. Uh, from my schedule and time, hello, type A personalities, uh, to foraging random, for, for, for going random opportunities because my mind was made up on going in a certain direction. Now, none of these are necessarily bad. Planning your time leads to efficiency for, for, for going things because you are on a mission means you might be on the path to your purpose. But when you do these things day in and day out, all at the same time, well, let's just say the process can be stressful. But I tried anyway, because I figured I might as well try to control what I could, since life was going to be random no matter what. 
It also gave me satisfaction, almost a somewhat false sense of accomplishment, that I was shaping my own destiny. Mm. I think most of us fall into this way of thinking because we all want to foresee things before they can potentially happen in order to feel safe. But ironically, when we try to control life, we end up missing out on possibilities that may have come our way if only we let go and allow life to happen. Try as we may, we can't always control life. And sometimes painful things happen that we couldn't possibly predict or prevent. What I've learned in these situations that helps me to better cope with the unpredictability of life is that life happens for me, not to me. And that the seemingly bad or painful experiences create an opportunity for something bigger and better to take place in my life. You and I can't foresee what's coming down the road. We can only choose our attitude when we hit roadblocks along the journey, which ultimately shapes our choices. When life doesn't go to plan, we must embrace the change and realize that our lives are composed of chapters. One has to end before another one can begin. But we can't move on to the next chapter if we continually reread the old ones. We have to willingly accept that life goes on and that we have a chance to create something bigger and sometimes often something better. Our time on this earth is limited and it consistently passes at the same speed with no bias. This means that with time, the inner turmoil you're currently dealing with, without a doubt, it's going to pass. Last but not least, before we can move on to our next chapter, we must accept what is happening in the present moment. Then and only then can we proceed forward with calmness and clarity. Now, I understand that what I'm suggesting may not be easy to digest, especially when you're in a place in life where you're hurting. But know that our lives become a lot happier when we strive to make the most of what life gives us. I'm encouraging people that are listening in today to embrace the change, whatever it is. Hold on to the notion. Life could be creating space for you to do something different, something bigger, something greater. You've made it through loss and hardship and difficult times before. What makes you think you can't now? Here's the thing. You can. You just need to remember three things. Life happens for your benefit, not against it. Number two, everything heals with enough time. And number three, uh, it's pointless to keep resisting where life is trying to take you. (laughs) The good news is that your next chapter could be even more amazing than the previous one. I, you know, I love that. I love that because I'm in, I'm in a series of transitions myself in my life. And I said, wait, 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 don't get upset about this. You know, mm-hmm. God could be moving you out, is moving you out of something and into something else. That's an important something thing. Bigger, something bigger, something greater. Yes. Bigger, something greater. And sometimes, you know, what the step back is, yeah. wait a minute, Shut up. you're getting ready to do something else. So you, you needed to transition. You look back and you get it. So, I mean, I think the thing is to get it going forward. Thank you for that. We needed that. You're going to be on Facebook Live this afternoon at 3 p.m. What? How can we get in touch with you? And just very quickly, what you're going to be talking about. Sure. We can t- you can tune in uh, Facebook Live under my name, Stephen with the PH, Stephen Thurston. And if you don't catch it live, you can always go back and catch the replay. And that's Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we're going to be focusing on taking the next step in the next chapter of your life. And I've just made a big transition. I want to help people in those transition moments mm-hmm. in their life today. 
Amen to that. Amen. 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 Ooh, love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. Yes, yes, love yes. Can't too. wait to see what is next. Everybody, get the book Mirror Moments. Mirror yes. Moments. Mirror Moments. Get the book. Go to his website, Mirror Moments. Stephen with a PH, everybody. StephenJThurston.com. Love you. <laughs> you know what, everybody? Let's talk with. Um, of course, Dr. Shanina Knighton. We're always so excited to have this brilliant, brilliant registered nurse, Ph.D., infection preventionist. She is the executive director of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology. It's the largest organization of its kind of these professionals in the world. And um, I wanted to ask you something. We're going to, at the bottom of the hour, talk about uh, this study that has come out, Dr. Knighton. Uh, that shows a direct link between a heightened risk for uterine cancer and and for black women who've been using relaxers, right? And so I was reading an article last night which, in which a woman said, look, I'd rather fight than switch. I love my hair like this, and I'm just going to keep on going. And through our time together, it's been like two or three years, right? Um, as we've been in this pandemic, you have said, you know, everybody, you talk about the vaccine. I'm not going to tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do. But what you need to understand is all that goes into your meat. <laughs> you just without knowing it, you're taking a lot of chemicals in every day. What's on your vegetables and on and on and on. And for years, people would, you know, our, our love, our relatives would put Vaseline on us. And then, you know, I heard from my my mother, my my maternal grandmother, who was very, very health conscious. Uh, God rest her soul. She said, no, 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 no. You, she said, you, you just might as well take a bath in an oil slick. <laughs> she said, petroleum, petrol. Can you not read? All right. So what do you make of all of this? I mean, just generally speaking, it seems that we need to be very careful, Dr. Knighton, about what we put on our hair, what we put on our bodies, what we eat. I mean, but no one thinks about lotion. No one thinks about, you don't really think about a relaxer. You're just putting it in your hair. I do. Listen, and let me tell you why I do. I'm going to be honest. It's going to sound nuts. It might not come out until years from now. But I'm sure there's some sort of link between, let's say, how men use lotion and prostate cancer. And it's not to say that that's the actual thing. It's the fact that we don't think about if there are chemicals such as BHT, which we know contains carcinogens, which are things that can lead to cancer, then we know, or like we know that it causes tumor, like let's say in mice, then we, those things are going to convert over eventually to an adult, right? But the problem is, is we tend to misunderstand the FDA's role. It's the Food and Drug Administration. So, for example, that means that people can log stuff. They log their results in regards to why their product is safety at certain amounts. But what's not studied is how that item is safe over time. And so when we think about a food and drug administration, people tend to never think about the fact that it is really the secretary or the administrator, right? So if you say, I want to administer diacetyl, and I know me and you have had this conversation about, you know, acetylmorphine being heroin, but diacetyl is in a lot of our foods. I'm talking about, yes, we have heroin ingredients in, in our foods, and it's what makes 
Yeah, and it makes you know what? When I found out that cigarettes were more addictive. Um, than um, yeah. certain drugs. I said, wait a minute, because we have a smoking cessation uh, clinic at Northwestern Hospital, I, and I had the I had the clinician on on my old show. She said, oh no no, this is more addictive than heroin. I said, cigarettes. She said, oh yeah, they've juiced up yeah. the cigarettes to that point. It's unbelievable. I mean, pardon my interruption, but I mean, you you yeah. make me aware of these things, Doctor Knighton. Yeah, no, and the thing is, is I think that's what makes people make better decisions is when you are aware of things, meaning like, no, no one's asking anyone to be perfect. It's just knowing, and I'm going to use this analogy, but it's almost like us being crackheads and not knowing it, meaning when Mm. somebody is like, why can't I stop eating these potato chips, or why is it that this is so good, and Oh my gosh, I gotta go get another one. We never think about the addictive properties that are like literally in the substances that our food contains. And when we don't think about our food in that manner of being a chemical, our whole body is made of chemicals. Everything that is put together food wise contains chemicals. And so when we process it in our minds that everything will have some sort of chemical reaction, I mentioned it yesterday, how we cannot cheat our bodies. Like, mm. your body's not going to lie. If you don't get sleep, it's going to tell on you. If you eat the wrong thing over time, it's going to tell on you. It might tell on you immediately and say that was a bad choice. But we cannot, we can't cheat our bodies. And that's the thing. Once we start to really understand that, instead of saying, I'm going to have a cheat meal, you're cheating your mind to thinking that it's okay. But guess what? Your body still got it. Now, whether it show up on a scale or not... Oh, it's going to show up on that scale. <laughs> on that scale. might not be right when you want to, or you might go to the gym and oh, yeah. sit an extra couple of minutes, you know, to say, like, hey, this going to offset it. Oh, but yeah. your body's still going to feel it, and your body's still going to get it. So to your point, when you talk about these chemicals, yes, like, we have to think about our food in that manner and understand that just because it's registered... With the FDA does not necessarily mean that it's safer. It's going to work for our bodies. And we can't assume that even, too. I know a lot of people are going vegan. I know that they're saying, oh, I'm eating a plant-based diet. Many people think like, oh, well, this has to be better than me. But if I'm eating a whole bunch of genetically modified stuff to make it taste like meat, or I'm eating a whole bunch of genetically modified stuff that's contained with chemicals, do we have to ask ourselves, is this really a better product or, or am I trading one evil for another if I'm trying to get away from one thing? And that's the one thing that we really have to ask ourselves. And that does mean that when it comes to the ingredient labels on the back of stuff, stop starting at the top and just looking for high fructose corn syrup because that's what they put on our radar. Look for the, B, the BHTs, the DHAs. Look for the EDTA. Now, I'm talking about food, Santita. And remember, our bodies are going to, like, we're going to absorb something, we're going to ingest it, we're going to inhale it. There's about five different ways that our body, something can go inside of our body, right? And so to your point, when you mentioned lotion, when you mentioned, you know, perms or things like that, like they say, you are what you eat or your body, like whatever you put on your body can go, it goes inside of your body. It's the same thing with your lotion. That's why when we see certain um, things on there that says, oh, no parabens, oh, no sulfates, oh, no this, oh, no that. They're advertising that because they know that the stuff that does contain that is going to make you sick. 
But it doesn't mean that just because those things are on there that they haven't traded one bad for another bad. So you then have to look for those other bads and say, do these contain ingredients that can potentially kill me? And that does mean you saying, what is? You got to literally Google stuff you can't pronounce and feel comfortable that you can't pronounce it, but I can type it in on Google and see what it is and what it's going to do to my body. Well, you know what? We're going to go to Hey Dr. Nina because I know you're going to talk about this. <laughs> You've got to, everybody. Her handle is H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A at Hey Dr. Nina. You join her and get your friends to join her. And you know what? Pass the show along. Uh, that's right here on WCPT 820 in Chicago and AM 950 Radio. Let's talk about relaxers and the link between relaxers and cancer, uterine cancer in black women. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. January 26th, WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, will lead a debate. Uh, Joan Esposito, Patty Vesquez, and Santita Jackson will be moderating this debate, a discussion with all of the top mayoral candidates. You know, our mayoral races in Chicago are national races. Who's going to impress you the most? Four years ago, the breakout star in these debates was uh, then-attorney Lightfoot, former federal prosecutor. She's had a really rough run of it over the past four years, and so now she's people wondering if she'll make the runoff. But, you know, you've got Chuy Garcia, Congressman Garcia, you've got Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, our our beloved here on WCPT, who are really kind of locked at one, two, and three, just moving things around round in the race, but Lori Lightfoot's still in there, but you know what? I want to know what questions you want us to ask these candidates. We need to know, because it's a lot, nine people have been locked in, so please, January 26th, we'll be on all platforms, let's lock it in. Let's talk about this. Frequent use of hair straightening products may raise uterine cancer risk, and especially for black women. And I was reading an article uh, in The Guardian at the end of last year. The headline is, Why Some Black Women Won't or Can't Quit Hair Relaxers Even As the Dangers Become Clear. These studies have been ongoing for decades, for decades. And we were just talking with Dr. Shanina Knighton, infection preventionist, registered nurse, Ph.D., college lecturer, college professor, uh, and the head of an organization of the largest, the largest uh, aggregation of infection preventionists and epidemiologists in the world. Just about the things that we put on our bodies, the lotions, the, the foods with the, with the chemicals that are on them, uh, the, the meats that have been injected with vaccines. I mean, come on. We need to be careful, but we really need to look at this because this is a real thing. Black women have had to sue to be able to wear braids, to wear, to wear their hair in natural styles. We don't mind the loose curl as much, wavy, curly hair. No, no, no. Colorism is very real. But if it's kinky, if it's more West African, uh, you don't look as professional. Just talk to someone about that. And I said, no, I don't appreciate that. 
And I don't know why that has to be my lot, but that's something that we deal with. And so the relaxer reigns, and even as we find that it can... Um, that it can imperil our health. And uh, one of the leading advocates that we have is attorney April Prayar, great criminal defense attorney, really a, an attorney for the people. And she brought along with uh, with us, uh, to, to be with us today, a licensed cosmetologist noted in the community, Tanya McFall-Nance, and she's an educator as well, an educator. So we have a lot of questions for you. Talk to us about what we're looking at here. Uh, with this link between hair relaxers um, and uterine cancer. Wow, Attorney Prayer. Yes, so thank you so much for that fantastic introduction. Um, Absolutely. So what happened in mid-October, I believe it was October the 17th, the National Health Institute released a study that they had been doing for 11 years, and they had studied 34,000 women over that time. And during the course of that study, they realized that black women who had had a hair relaxer for even one year, think about that, one year, most people we know have for decades, but if you had it even for one year, you doubled your chances of getting uterine cancer, a specific type of uterine cancer, which is endometrial cancer, which is actually the most common cancer amongst all women, and black women who have relaxers have doubled their chances of getting that. In addition to that study, there are other studies that are similar regarding fibroids, regarding endometriosis, also regarding ovarian cancer. And it shows that overwhelmingly, if you had a relaxer, even for that short time period, that those chemicals that were going into our bodies, they're called phthalates, basically plastics, that go into our bodies and just tear up our hormones and target our reproductive system. So over the last six weeks or so, I've been talking to hundreds and hundreds of black women who previously had relaxers and then later developed one of these disorders and they are all stunned and appalled to find out that this was the link, that this was the missing link that what they were putting in their heads and oftentimes was put in their head as children by their parents or by a, a professional since they were six or seven is now like just like your last guest said is now showing up in their bodies. Unbelievable. And what can we do? I mean, are there class action lawsuits? I mean, where are we in this process? Because, you know, we were told yes. to talc powder. Talc, talc powder. Uh, Renee Criswell says, wait a minute, uterine cancer from our hair relaxers. Talc, you know, talc powder. We were told, you know, we want it to be fresh. And on and on and on it goes. But a lot of things that we've been taking in innocently, um, they're not healthy for us, Attorney Prayar. Yes, so there is a, it's called a mass tort lawsuit. So it's different than a class action because basically it means that there will be thousands of individual personal injury lawsuits. Just like if you get into a car crash or somebody hurts you in some way, you would file an individual lawsuit. So there are going to be thousands, maybe millions of individual personal injury lawsuits that all fall under this mass tort umbrella filed by black women. And they've already started. We're going to see them all across the country. People have probably started seeing Facebook ads popping up and commercials. And so, yes, I'm working with a firm that has filed one of these lawsuits 
and we'll be filing thousands on behalf of women who are affected by these awful disorders. And so in order to find out more about that, they can go to hairrelaxerharm.com and see if they are eligible. Again, if they have fibroids and had surgery, they have endometriosis, endometrial cancer, which is a form of uterine cancer, or they have ovarian cancer. And I'm finding that really just about every other black woman I speak to is affected. Mm, You know what I was reading? This article, Why Some Black Women Won't or Can't Quit Hair Relaxers, Even As Dangers Become Clearer. This is from December 12th, 2022, just in The Guardian. Janet Stevenson stacks two boxes of hair relaxer on her bathroom sink. She shakes out her long hair before leaning down to reveal wavy roots at her middle part to the camera. Straightening this patch of her hair is the purpose of her TikTok video, Come Get a Relaxer With Me, Part 2. And she goes on and on. By the end of the demo clip, she is smiling into the camera, glossy lips with an air of satisfaction and shiny, straight, blown-out tresses falling past her shoulders. The 22-year-old nursing student in Montgomery, Alabama, occasionally gets pushback for posting videos of chemically straightening her hair. Commenters will respond, relaxes are damaging, so I don't see how, how it's healthy at all. It's literally chemicals that make your hair permanently straight. It doesn't matter how professionally you do it, it's still damaging. And she responded, a lot of stuff in the world isn't safe, close quote, open quote, close quote. She says her tresses are healthy and more manageable, and she refuses to give these relaxers up. Even First Lady Michelle Obama said, hey, you know, I had to make a decision about wearing braids as First Lady because that was not going to work. So, Tanya... McFall, Nance, what do we have options? You know, because I had someone tell me the other week that, you know, that natural hair, and it's interesting. It's it, not, you know, curly hair is all right, wavy hair, right? But kinky hair is the problem. Let's just keep it real. Let's keep it 100. We, we are, we're black women here talking about it, and everybody's listening in, and we've all heard about good hair and bad hair, you know, which is crazy and sick. But that's where we are. <laughs> Ms. Nance. Well, well, I think that um, there are some alternatives. There are blowouts. There are silk presses. And contrary to what we we believe is as old and new, the regular run-of-the-mill sew-in has proven to be a very safe and effective way in for women to wear straighter um, straighter styles. And that's a sew-in uh, with extensions, um, just for clarity's sake. Uh, there are alternatives to chemical relaxers. But even with the alternatives being the keratin straighteners, there are still or there's still the threat of formaldehyde, um, which is one of one of the main ingredients in even the keratin straighteners. But Mm. from a natural standpoint, you can you can still blow out and and suppress your hair. You can still get um, straight sew ins and things like that as alternatives. I mean. My hair is natural, um, and I'm pretty sure April's hair is natural. There is a struggle because we've been conditioned that our hair isn't pretty. And we don't really fit into society's, I guess, society's um, opinion of what beauty is. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the alternatives that I've offered to 
my clients. Um, and I was actually a trailblazer or one of the trailblazers um, in terms of stylists who transitioned their chemically relaxed clientele to 100% natural. And it's just about getting a really good stylist, really learning about your hair and understanding products that work and products that don't work. When we get into different hair textures, there are Mm -hmm. different products that might work for one person, but it may not work for the other person. So there's a lot of trial and error. And sometimes I think it's exhausting. It it can be frustrating for the person who's buying all of these products. But I think in the end, it is worth it to do the R&D to figure out what products really work for your natural hair. Amen to that. We're talking with Tanya McFall Nance, licensed cosmetologist, hair educator. We're looking at options that we have as we look at this 11-year-old study, and then there's a study that's more than 25 years old that shows a link between uh, the heightened uh, incidences of uterine cancer in black women and is tied directly to these hair relaxers, everybody. Let's talk about it. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. Because we're under an enormous amount of pressure um, professionally. I mean, you know, I never. I have to be honest with you. I'm keeping it 100. I never really felt it. My mother, A, cut my hair and my sister's hair when we were like six seven and she said i wanted to just she said let me tell you why i did that okay because you know we always grew a lot of hair she said i wanted to disabuse you of the notion that you needed lots of hair and you needed long hair uh to be pretty okay and my sister and i are 12 years apart so it's it's like a generation of family right and um and because my curl pattern is loose still i you know i had to learn how to do my own hair you know, because I, you know, I got a relaxer, I think, my when I was about 10, and, and all my hair fell out. All of it fell out. Miss <laughs> Nance, it, it fell out. I went to my parents' bedroom, my parents were looking at TV, and I lifted up my ponytail. I had no hair under the ponytail. And my mother said, well, that's it. She said, you know, we've not, and uh, all I could do was wear the so-called frizz because I had teased the afro because I wanted a bushy afro, not the curly fro that my mother had, you know, what I could support. You know, we're never satisfied with what we've got. But long story short, I'm interested in, A, these lawsuits, and I need Tanya McFall Nance to repeat the options. Let me start with you again. Tanya McCall okay, Nance. So, what are the options that 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 we have if we want to wear straightened hair? Because I don't have a problem with it. I'm wearing my hair straightened right now. I just I don't have a relaxer. And so there are several options for women who are wearing their hair natural to actually enjoy some straight style. And some of the ones discussed before are you can do a blowout and flat iron or silk press the hair out, and that'll give the natural hair, that will kind of straighten the natural curl pattern and give it more of a relaxed look, pretty much like back in the day how we would get our hair pressed. So we would straighten the curl pattern and curl it or wrap it or all of those all of those other old school basic rules still apply. So there's the there's the silk press. 
then if you wanted a different alternative to that, if you don't want the heat um, component to your hair, you can actually go go take it back and just do a regular sew-in with straight hair or using straight hair. And in that way, if you're adding heat tools to the to the actual hair that's sewn in, that heat is not impacting your hair because your hair is safely braided and protected. So that sew-in is still considered a protective style. There are braids that you can actually have put into your hair, and maybe those ends are going to be straight and loose so that you'll have the appearance of straighter hair. So there are a number of things that um, us natural hair women can do and so that we can have a variety and just some options in changing our hair up a little bit. How do you transition from a relaxer to natural hair? Well, there are a couple of ways. There's one, and we've all heard of this, this is a big chop. So you can just pretty much cut all of the relaxed hair off down to the root or the new growth, as we call it. Uh, There are transitional styles. You can wear your hair in braids up until your hair grows out to a length that you're more comfortable with. Um, You can do twists. You can do faux locks. Um, there are a number of things, or you can just kind of wear, wear it out, wear your fro, and just enjoy all stages of the natural hair journey. Hmm. We're talking with attorney April Prayar, criminal defense attorney, about this 11-year study, and there are studies that have actually, that are lengthier, that find women using chemical straighteners had double the risk of uterine cancer faced. Uh, and I, I want to know, I want to know, um, where do we go from here? I mean, attorney prayer. I mean, what what about, you know, the subtle and the not so subtle hints uh, that having natural hair might impact your professional climb? You know, I mean, of course, maybe on the books, that's not the way that's not the way it is. But, you know, wink, nod. That could be the case that some people have to deal with in some in some workplaces. This is a perfect conversation, and actually Tanya is perfect, the perfect person to have on the line because she can tell you firsthand that she knows I struggle with that. So I did the big chop, like she said, 23 years ago, and 23 years ago is when I started practicing law. So you can imagine how that went over. My mom had a fit and was like, this girl ain't going to be able to find a job if she got two degrees. <laughs> and so Tanya can tell you that for every jury I did for 20 years almost, I would straighten my hair, and that's how we met because she had a nice, safe, natural um, salon where she was able to straighten my hair safely and I would get it straightened for a jury, have it straightened for two days. And she was my go-to person for that. So that's why this is the perfect conversation. But that is a struggle that I had, that white juries weren't going to perceive me well, that um, we had white coworkers who would tell friends of mine who had similar hair to mine, why does your hair look so angry? So it's a real oh, issue wait, 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 for black wait, women. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, I wasn't ready for that. Why does your hair look so what? Angry. A white male colleague said, there's a woman, I have a slightly looser, curly um, afro and her hair was just like mine. And she came to work very upset one day. And I was like, girl, what's going on? Because we would always compare hair stories. And she said, one of my colleagues just asked me, why does my hair always look so angry? 
So it's a real it's a real concern. You know, I'm in a male dominated, predominantly white field. It was always a concern. How do I wear my hair to look presentable? To them, like I loved my hair, natural. It was how did it look, how did it come off in court? So it's a very real conversation. And with the Crown Act failing just a month ago on the federal level, in 32 states, women who decide today, hey, I just want to wear cornrows today, or I want to put in some box braids, or I want to do faux locks like Tanya mentioned, a temporary hairstyle, or I want to go lock my hair, a permanent hairstyle, they could be fired on the spot with no recourse. So this is a very real concern. And I think there's a very concerted effort to continue to have us straighten our hair because it's such a big business. It's a multi-billion dollar business and relaxers have been on the decline for the last 20 years. And that, you know, because I was like, why would a legislator in Florida, white male legislator in Florida, care how Tamika wears her hair in Missouri? Well, because he's probably in bed with the hair care companies because Mm -hmm. otherwise there would be no reason for this constant push for us to alter the natural state of our hair to fit in. And so that's why it's so outrageous to find out that, okay, not only is there this push, but by straightening our hair with these chemicals that we've used for decades, probably well over half half a century, has literally been killing us and tearing our bodies apart. And that's why we're outraged and that's why we're encouraging women to fight back with this mass tort lawsuit and go to hairrelaxerharm.com again hairrelaxerharm.com and you can go there and type in the information tell us a little bit about the condition that you have and whether you had a relaxer before and join in this mass lawsuit they can also call um, the number and that is, is 312 yeah, yeah, I think about it. <laughs> no, I got you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just writing it. 312. 261. 261. And the website is hairrelaxerharm.com. Hairrelaxerharm.com. You know, when you all come back, I want us to have a a broader, deeper conversation about hair texture, right? Because some natural hair is more acceptable, you know, to the white community than others. And even the black folks now, because I remember, you remember, what, what was it, not Simone Biles, uh, the young lady who preceded her, Gabby. Um, exactly. Gabby Douglas, she uh, was criticized very heavily within our own black community because they said, you know, her hair should have been, it should have been on point. I said, this girl just jumped and twirled through the air all over this floor. As a gymnast, she has just won a gold medal. This has never happened before. You mean to tell me because she has some ends sticking out, you got a problem with this? What is she supposed to do? Put that butter in her hair so it burns it out? Yeah. Because, you know, that's part of the social pressure that we face from without and from within. I want to get a closing thought from you. Uh, Number one, how can we get our silk press from you? I'm going to get my information. So I go get my silk press from you. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll leave my number if that's okay. 
Yes. Um, I'm I'm at 312-437-7201. And what is the name of your song? um, I'm a freelance artist. Okay. Fantastic. So you get get me all to yourself. Yeah. What is that number again? Say it slowly. 312-437-7201. You must put her on your website, hairrelaxerharm.com. The final word from you, Attorney April Priar. One minute. Well, I think it's so important that women spread the word about this because I've been absolutely appalled by how little media coverage this has been getting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it's us because we're always considered the least of those. And so our issues are considered the least important. And so I really encourage black women to reach out and to go to hairrelaxerharm.com so that they can fight back and hopefully be compensated when we prevail over these hair industry giants that have been making money by peddling poison for decades. Well, you know what? I want you all to come back because I want us to dig deeper and have a conversation about hair texture. Because, you know, because you know, I think we have to go there. We have to go there because that's, that's very real, too. And, um, and we have to teach our children to love themselves in whatever iteration God made them. Really, really. My mother said, you know what? God looked down and you know an African because you see the crown upon our heads. This is not something that should make us ashamed, everybody. I mean, as I wear my hair straightened, and if you, I was teased in high school, I went to Whitney Young, uh, by my classmates, by my senior year. They said, girl, you have had every hairstyle known to humankind. <laughs> but I got the big chop when I was 14, which was fine because it was, it was falling out anyway. You know, and there's that. So next, I got saved real early because it just, it did not work. I mean, it was just, it just didn't work for me. So, you know, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, we cover this from a lot of different directions. I want you to go to hairrelaxerharm.com, hairrelaxerharm.com, or call uh, Tanya Nance at 312-437-7201. You know, we can we can make it through all of this, everybody. But if you have gotten sick, you need to get involved. Reach out to uh, Attorney April Prayar. She's we're going to come back and and talk about hair texture and all of that and how it impacts our professional lives. Ladies, I can't wait to have you back on the Santia Jackson show. Let's talk about what happened with. Oh, you know, I'm sending you much love. The Biden documents and all these progressives, progressives in Congress. More of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, January 10th, 2023, AM 950 Radio in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio stations. I want you to meet my morning stars over on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page. That's the only 
Beverly Page, where I can accept friends, everybody. So please, everybody, go to Santita Jackson and friends and be my friend. And join me on Twitter, at Santita J, at Santita J. We were just talking about black women and the heightened risk of uterine cancer because of relaxers. We're going to continue that conversation in the future. We've got to talk about that and just the discrimination, the hair discrimination that black women and black, and women with curly or kinky hair, that's Jewish women, that's some Italian women, that's a whole lot of folks have to deal with that, trying to look professional, right, as if the only way you can look professional is to have straight hair. <laughs> Not quite. All right, everybody, we're going to be talking about Vice President Biden, yeah, when he was vice president, he actually had some classified documents, too. And they were kept at his office that he had in conjunction with the University of Pennsylvania. Going to be talking about that. At the same time, this new Congress, as we're looking at Kevin McCarthy, the new speaker, we also need to look at the fact that there are more progressives in Congress, self-described progressives. Progressives with progressive principles than ever before. And then you got a great big race up in uh, Wisconsin. That's right, for the Supreme Court. We've learned, we've learned nothing over the past few years. Know how important it is to vote in every election and to really understand who occupies offices in your state. All right, let's get to some of these headlines. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 43 degrees today, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 32 degrees and cloudy. College football. Georgia, whew, triumphant over TCU. That is uh, quite the understatement. 65 to 7. Georgia had a flawless record this year. First back-to-back team in many, many years. Congratulations to them, but congratulations to all of these athletes who are on the field of battle. As we see that uh, DeMar Hamlin has now gone home. He's making a remarkable recovery. Hope that he gets his money, too. We're going to be visiting that as well. In the NBA, the Celtics 107, the Bulls 99, the Timberwolves had the night off. In the NHL, the Wild will be playing the Rangers. More than 34 million people in the southwestern U.S. are under flood watches today as a powerful storm continues to batter California. In the past 24 hours, up to seven inches of rain fell across lower elevations of the state, while areas in the mountains reported up to 10 inches. Thousands of evacuations, inundated roadways have caused widespread damage across northern and central California. You have mudslides. It's just a mess. The storm is now tracking, is now moving south and flooding. We have mudslides and flooding in Los Angeles, San Diego, San Jose, and Las Vegas. Yes, in the desert, everybody. Classified documents from President Joe Biden's time as vice president were discovered in a private office last fall, according to Biden's attorneys yesterday. It is unclear what the documents pertain to or why they were taken to Biden's private office at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. More about that with John Nichols in just a few moments. House Republicans on Monday approved a rules package for the 118th Congress in what marked the first test of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's ability to navigate his slim Republican majority. Despite concerns from some moderates, the rules were passed on a 220 to 213 mostly party line vote with Texas Republican Representative Tony Gonzalez joining all the Democrats in voting against the measure, which will include the ability for any single member to call a vote to oust the Speaker. And those are just some of the headlines, everybody. We're looking for financial freedom. Do you have bad credit? Do you need to build your credit? Do you need to rebuild your credit? Are you using 
your debit card. You really need, you shouldn't do that. You need to get a credit card. You say, I don't have enough credit. Well, I want you to call Team Hochberg and work out a plan so that you can get a credit card. Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to buy an apartment building? That's within your grasp. But if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need to get a plan. Whatever your financial predicament is, Team Hochberg can help you. Please reach out to them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com. Tom and Sonia did just that. Two kids, 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt on these credit cards. They were about to lose their home. They said, well, this just sounds too good to be true. Nobody can help me. Ah, that was not true. They reached out to Team Hochberg. They were able to get an FHA loan. They paid off their 17 credit cards, and they were able to, of course, you shouldn't negotiate with these companies. Let Team Hochberg do that. They lowered their payments by more than $2,800. They saved their home, and now they are going, they've gone from drowning in debt to moving into prosperity. That could be you, everybody. 855-56-DAVID. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. All right, let's talk about the latest and greatest in politics with the brilliant national correspondent for The Nation magazine, John Nichols. John, there is so much going on. You've got this big Supreme Court race. You know, we didn't pay attention to these judges until we saw these big cases, Ahmaud Arbery's case, the Rittenhouse case, and on and on, George Floyd's case. Now we're paying attention. Um, And we've got, of course, more progressives than ever. But last night, the breaking news was about these classified documents uh, from President Biden's time as vice president that that were being ho- that were being housed um, in his private offices. Uh, what do you think about that? Will this become a political problem, an actual problem? I mean, the, apparently this was discovered some months ago. We're just finding out about this now. A problem. John Nichols. The thing. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, now I can. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, I think it might have been the board there. Um, so, yes, I think it is a significant issue. Um, we don't know how significant because we don't know much about the documents. From what we understand, there's about a, a dozen documents. Um, and it's very important to find out, you know, what details uh, we can about them and, and know whether they are, um, you know, how classified they were, how significant they were. But where it becomes significant is obviously in the context of former President Trump's documents. We know that former President Trump had a lot of documents down at Mar-a-Lago. There was obviously the raid there. And, you know, we know in the politics of the moment that people are going to be, our Republican friends are going to be saying, well, look, if uh, Trump was in trouble for having documents, then Biden should be as well. And Trump is already saying that. So this is going to be a significant uh, development as regards President Biden, and he's going to have to deal with it. He's going to have to speak about it and respond to it. So, so are his lawyers and his staff. We'll see how far it goes. My sense is that um, if it's really just a dozen documents, and perhaps if they are related to some narrow area of work, it may not prove to be that big a deal. But we don't know that yet, and I think it's it is important to to treat this seriously. You have to treat it seriously because obviously, if we say that uh, Republicans have to follow a set of rules, then Democrats do as well. Well, what is the why is what is the significance of any president or vice president 
or anyone taking classified government documents off-site, right? I mean, what is the significance sure. of that? I mean, because to me, this is a transpartisan moment. Um, this yep. is really about, you know, state secrets and classified documents, which, as we know, John, are classified and reclassified all the time. But apparently these were still classified documents that were locked away. Right. Right, and it's on a constant basis that they're classified and reclassified, and and you know sometimes they're classified because of you know developments in a moment, right? And you have to keep it secret for a period of time, and then you can loosen that up. Other times they're permanently classified because of information that has consequences for national security or other issues. And so those are all the sorts of things you have to figure out. But the significance of presidents taking document classified documents is that, you know, when you're president of the United States, you're obviously the most powerful figure in the world. You have access to immense amounts of information, information that you and I might struggle sometimes to even imagine. Uh, and so you leave the White House and you're going to be working on issues related to your presidency, maybe uh, in continuing projects like Biden was involved with uh, with the University of Pennsylvania or simply in you know, doing your memoirs, things of that nature. And we have had instances where presidents do, in fact, you know, bring a box of documents along with them, uh, sometimes intentionally. Uh, we know from maybe perhaps some president suggesting or, or President Trump suggesting unintentionally, uh, but whatever it is. Uh, this is significant because these are not documents that are supposed to be treated casually. And, you know, here's the bottom line, Santita. When we think about all of these issues, what we need to understand is this, that we have a set of rules that for everybody who works in the federal government, be it the lowest clerk or the highest you know, cabinet member or whatever, you know, whatever your designation, whatever your responsibility, and you're supposed to follow those standards. And if anyone, even the president of the United States, doesn't follow the standards, then the whole system becomes suspect and, and, you know, uncertain. And so it's totally appropriate to make sure that things are being done properly um, and to, to follow through on all this. Because if we don't, then you end up in a situation where potentially classified documents fall into the wrong hands or, frankly, where they might be used inappropriately. You know, just for whatever purposes, commercial or others. Yeah, you just you, you wonder how these things happen. But, you know, that's, I, you know, when when they're establishing their libraries and, you know, this center that the vice president was in which he was housed, you one could see. How, you know, I just, you know, I mean, the Clintons, you know, walked away with, everybody walks away with stuff from the White House, yep. but you don't want these classified documents off-site. You really, really don't, and you're right, it is no, something you, have you to just, watch. When you're, and, and if you have a question, you know, this is the important thing about it. If you've got a question, if you're uncertain about whether a document should be in your hands or not, there are all sorts of archivists and specialists who are in the employ of the White House and in the employ of the federal government that you can check with, right? So um, that's really at the heart of this thing. There ought to be, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear now if we're having situations with Trump and now with with Biden, um, that there frankly needs to be some sort of better system uh, as regards the exit of officials from the White House, be it a former vice president, be it a former president, whatever, Mm -hmm. to make sure that documents are well managed. Hmm. Well, you know, we'll, we will have to see how this goes. I, but I was shocked. I mean, and apparently this happened 
some time ago. Why do you think it came out now? Do you think it's because I oh, mean, I, why do you why do you think it came out now? Well, if what we're told is that about six months ago, uh, that if some time ago, Biden's lawyers contacted uh, archives and other folks who said, "Look, we got some documents that that we we don't think that Biden should have had." You know, my sense is if you check back six months, you're getting around the time of uh, you know all the concerns about Trump's documents, or at least the the heightened concern about Trump's documents. And one suspects, but I do not know. One suspects. That you know, the Biden folks said, "Boy, we should check and make sure we don't have we didn't have any documents we shouldn't have had." You know, mm-hmm. it, I I'm not sure of that, uh, and we'll find out if that was the case. But you know, one way or the other, what we're going to figure out is that you know, at some point along the way, people somebody said, "You know, look, there's some documents here uh, in the possession of, if not the vice president, the former vice, if not the president, the former vice president's office." Those documents really ought to be uh, in other hands. And so, you know, know, yeah, we'll have to see. You know, I mean, it's just I mean, because we're still waiting to see what happened, you know, really with um, with former President Trump. And you just have to see, you know, we just have to see. And we will. And we will. But, you know, we've got some um, some very interesting news. And of course, you know, I was in Washington last week. Um, seeing so many of these congresspersons. And, you know, I have known John since we were both very, very, very young. And, of course, he came out of the Jackson campaign, 83-84, when, you know, it was the renegade campaign. And I say that because to be a progressive then, being a liberal was about as far to the left on the spectrum as you would go. But Reverend Rand is an unreconstructed, unapologetic progressive. And out of that, we got Bernie Sanders, and we got Mabel Tang, and we got so I mean, Maxine Waters was able to get a heightened platform and on and on and on. Um, Now we they're not alone in Congress. John, this this Congressional Progressive Caucus continues to grow. That's exactly right. And I think, look, it's very important to understand that the Jackson campaign from 1984 and even to a greater extent, 1988, really brought a tremendous number of people into politics as unreconstructed progressives, as proud progressives. And we should know that, you know, there's people like Tammy Baldwin in the United States Senate, now a senior senator. And Tammy Baldwin, um, you know, was a Jackson campaigner back in 2000, I'm sorry, in 1988. She was, uh, you know, a very strong Jackson backer. So was Paul Wellstone, former yes, senator oh from Minnesota. Goodness. Yeah, who was he was the chairman of our campaign in Minnesota. That's right. Absolutely. And boy, when you start running down the list of people who were Jackson campaigners in '84 and '88, who went into politics because they saw that possibility, right? They said, "Well, I don't have to sit on the sidelines. I don't have to." be just a a volunteer. I could be a member of Congress. I could be a senator. Now, something similar happened with Bernie Sanders' campaign Mm -hmm. campaigns in 2016 and 2020. And that is that a whole new generation of young people said, wow, okay, if Bernie Sanders can serve in the Senate as an absolute progressive, as a declared democratic socialist, then I can do that too. And what we really have seen since 2016, and especially since 2018, is this growing group of young people 
some of them associated with Sanders and some coming up, you know, through other routes, but all of whom commit to an absolutely progressive point of view. And it is very important, frankly, very uncovered by our media to recognize that the transition that just occurred, the swearing in of a new Congress, which was terribly delayed by the fights over the speakership and all that, brought in uh, a group of young, incredibly skilled progressives, many of whom with previous elected experience, who are ready to really do a lot in Congress. And they include, of course, listeners to this show well recognized, they include Jonathan Jackson, uh, whose mm-hmm. experiences you know, profound and is clearly ready to govern. They also include Delia Ramirez, who comes from Chicago yes. as well. And boy, I got to tell you, when I when I have interviewed her and looked at her, she is she is really ready to, to hit the ground running. She's a former legislator from Illinois and is just mm-hmm. incredibly skilled, incredibly um, thoughtful. She's going to be a remarkable member of Congress. And, and she's the first Latina. Elected yeah, from the Midwest yeah. to the U.S. House of Representatives. I love Delia. Congresswoman exactly Ramirez. Right. I love her. And then you've got, coming out of Texas, Greg Kassar, um, mm-hmm. an Austin yes. City Council member, longtime organizer. And i got to tell you, I've interviewed Greg Kassar. You know, just keep your eyes open because this young man is going to be a profoundly significant member of Congress. He is going to... He's already he's already put out like a dozen press releases. He's he's mm-hmm. working on every angle already, and, and he's an organizer. He's ready to do all the things that need to be done. And then coming out of Western Pennsylvania, Summer Lee, and Summer Lee again, a former state legislator in Pennsylvania, somebody who has tremendous background, you know, incredible educational background, but also just an organizer sensibility. And this woman had to really fight her way into Congress. She had a tough primary. She had a tough general election. But she's there, and she's come on her own terms. Uh, I think she's she's going to be uh, just a remarkable member. And she'll really be, in many ways, uh, an extension of the squad. Uh, she's very associated with many members of the squad, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and others. And then I have to point out that um, Maxwell Frost, from out of Florida yes. is in, yes. and this guy's 25 years old. So the next generation has arrived in Congress, and um, this <laughs> Maxwell Frost is so young that when he went to some of the uh, briefings where they prepare members of Congress, um, <laughs> there were people at the at the door who said, "You know, young, you know, White House or congressional aides and others who said, I'm sorry, you can't come in. This is only for members.'" And he said, I am a member. I'm Maxwell Frost. I just got elected from Florida. I'm 25. And the, the aides, the people that were at the door, the, the congressional employees or whoever, were just like beaming. They were so excited because they're like, you're kidding. It's like one of us, that somebody our age is going to be sitting on the floor of Congress. And that's hmm. the reality. And the thing about Maxwell Frost is that he came up uh, in this generation that's gone through these school shootings, that's gone through, you know, all the climate activism and everything. He's very much of his generation. And um, there's, I think, just tremendous evidence. This guy is not going to, he's not going to be satisfied with the slow um, kind of dysfunctional workings of things. I think he's going to be 
a good member of Congress, a responsible member of Congress, but one who really demands action. And I think he'll be heard, uh, which is a big deal. Well, you know, when you come back, we will talk about this Wisconsin a Supreme Court race because, boy, oh, boy, we now know more than ever that when you see these judges on the ballot, don't roll your eyes. Don't let them glaze over. <laughs> you need to know who they are. But knowing that there are so many progressives in Congress now, it's just it's this is so exciting to me. It's just well, and it's just exciting. And if- You're right to be excited. And if we can circle around before we close off and just say the fact that one of them is Jonathan Jackson, somebody who has deep experience in the Rainbow Coalition, who knows, knows, knows the history of this struggle for economic and social and racial justice to save the planet and to to have diplomacy and peace rather than war and division. Putting that young man in Congress, maybe even we'll say we might even whisper middle-aged man. uh, Yes. But putting him in Congress... Uh, is is a really big deal because he comes with experience that I think is going to be very definitional very quickly. Well, you know, you're right because he's reaching across the aisle already. He said, because I've got to deliver for my district. I'm not going to sacrifice my principles, but points of commonality, we've got to find it. And we're going to find that in this razor-thin Congress. Just a few votes separate Democrats and Republicans. They're going to have to come together in order to make things happen. And we should not sacrifice our principles to do that. But we have to get along. Thank you, Rodney King. Oh, is that John Nichols? (laughs) I love you, John Nichols. (laughs) Sending you much love. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Can you believe it's been four years now? It's time for us to, to elect a new mayor or re-elect the one that we've got. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, January 26th, WCPT, my home station, the largest progressive talk radio station in the country, will be sponsoring a debate. Patty Vasquez, Joan Esposito, and I, Santita Jackson, will be moderating this discussion amongst these candidates. Who you got? Do you have Mayor Lightfoot? Do you have Chewy Garcia? Do you have Brandon Johnson? Do you have Paul Vallis? Do you have Jamal Green? Do you have Sophia King? On and on and on. There are nine people in the race. Almost guaranteeing that there will be a runoff. Who will make the runoff if there is one? What do you expect? We've seen some polls where Chewy Garcia is number one and Brandon Johnson is number two. Then Chewy is number one and Paul Vallis is number two. Many people agree that uh, that the, the mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, is struggling. If so, why? I want to know what your thoughts are and what you want out of uh, beyond who, what do, you, what do you want from this new mayor? What do you want? What do you want? Call us at 773-763-9278. We have two brilliant guests on with us today. I'll introduce them just after we get this information about celebrations by us from Shapiro Wells. Shapiro. Yes, Santita, thank you so much for having us this morning. At Celebrations by Us, we are your one-stop party connection. Right now, we're taking orders for the Super Bowl. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. We're doing our party wings, our meatballs, our hoagie sandwiches. 
as well as also our slider. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're also taking orders for Valentine's Day where you can do your fresh flowers and bouquets and you can have them delivered uh, from celebrations by us. Instead of calling 1-800-FLOWER, call one, uh, 708-526-4546 and we look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. All righty, Dighty. Well, who you got, everybody, in this mayoral race? What is going on? Nine people are running. Nine, nine, nine. Who do you think will win in February, or do you think we will have a runoff? Hmm. Dr. Robert Starks, preeminent uh, political scientist, educator, um, activist, professor from Northeastern Illinois University, their Center for Inner City Studies, someone who's veter- a veteran of Operation Breadbasket, Operation Push, Rainbow Push. I've known him all my life, and he's been a great educator. I mean, I don't laugh. I'm, I've learned so much about politics from you, and we're so grateful. And so many of us have, uh, generations of us have, and we just thank God for you. Eric Johnson, you. brilliant young journalist from the great Crusader newspaper. It lives up to its name. It is a crusading newspaper. Please get a subscription, everybody. Support that paper and Dorothy Lavelle and the fantastic work that she and this wonderful staff of writers and investigators are doing. Let me start off with you. Let me start off with the newspaper man. Eric Johnson, what do you see? Nine people in the race. Do you expect a runoff? Uh, And do you trust the polls? I'm I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to play it safe, but what I can tell you that uh, Chewy Garcia is a major player, you know, in the race. And you're right, Lori Lightfoot is struggling, you know. Um, and Why? I think that. Why do you think she's struggling? Many voters, I mean, she doesn't, she has not, by her track record in the last four years, she has not proven herself to be the reformer that she campaigned to be. Um, many voters were just surprised by some of the policies that she implemented, some of the, the ordinance that she backed. Um, they were just not, you know, it, it, they were just not something that voters, you know, expected of her. Um, she campaigned on, you know, as reformers saying that she was going to repeal those six, uh, reopen those six mental health clinics uh, that Rahm Emanuel closed. Then she turned around after she was elected um, and reneged on that promise. She did not do that. She fought for an elected school board, even though when she campaigned, she said she was going to do that. Um, and then there's those speed camera thresholds that she implemented. Um, and as we know, uh, speed cameras, they disproportionately affect black and brown communities more than any other ethnic group. It's just one misstep after another with Lori Lightfoot. And as you know, recently, um, she... Um, you know, her administration uh, deceived the media, even uh, Woodlawn residents, even Alderman Jeanette Taylor, by their plan to house migrants in the vacant Wadsworth Elementary School. And that insulted, uh, deeply insulted black, uh, black residents. It's just one thing after another with Lori Lightfoot that has put her in a deep hole, you know, among black voters, which is her main voting base. Mm. So your thoughts about this race? I mean, we're hearing Paul Vallis's name. We're hearing Chewy Garcia, who is, has turned out to be a force to be reckoned with. But 
We should be surprised by that because um, he's built a lot of alliances. Uh, he's built them down through the years, but so has Paul Vallis in, in the black community. And Brandon Johnson, many people are surprised uh, that he is a comer in this race. And, and yet the, the current mayor is struggling. But you've got Sophia King, you've got Jamal Green with his young energy and Sophia King and with all the things that she's been able to do on the south side and on and on and on. What do you make of this race? I mean, who stands out to you and why? Dr. Starks. Yes. Well, I, first of all, I want to agree with uh, uh, Mr. Johnson. Uh, the mayor is in real trouble, uh, mm. primarily because uh, she has no real base in the black community on the west and south sides of the city. Uh, and I think that's that's going to come back to really hurt her. Uh, secondly, I am clear that there will be a runoff. Now, who will be in the runoff is is up to, uh, you know, uh, anybody's guess. But I think, given the Hazard a guess for us. Come on. You, you come well, on. Pull out that crystal uh, ball. Pull it out. Well, just, oh, you know what? Give us a couple of different scenarios. How about that? Well, it, one scenario is uh, Mayor Lightfoot uh, and Chewy Garcia being in a runoff. Another one, of course, is uh, Chuy Garcia and Willie Wilson. I mean, don't count out Willie Wilson. Absolutely. Uh, he, he cannot be counted out because, of course, he has the support of the women in the black community as well as the church-going group. And that is a big voting block in the black community. But stop right there. Why do people try to count Willie Wilson out? I mean, I've heard, you know, and quite frankly, it sounded quite classist. Um, Some African-Americans have said, you know, he is not quite as polished. And he's not, he doesn't speak the king's English. I said, wait, wait, this man is extremely successful. And he meets the needs of the people. What else are they supposed to do? Do you want a Shakespearean actor? (laughs) Well, remember, none of the dailies spoke uh, British English. Come on now. I mean, you know, old man daily was was terrible. Was the language, <laughs> and his son didn't do that much better. Uh, so I agree with you on that. Uh, the, the real one of the things about uh, Willie Wilson is he has a church group, and that is a major group in the African American community. Because remember, many of the people who go to church are women, and women, of course, outvote men in the black community particularly those women who are over 50. So, uh, you know, it's anybody's guess. I think Brandon Johnson is Mm -hmm. a real force because he has the teachers' union behind him. And other unions are pouring money into his his campaign. So I think uh, it's going to be, it definitely will be a runoff, absolutely, in my opinion. 
you bring up the uh, you bring up the black church and Eric Johnson. You brought that up in this congressional race that we had uh, this past year, where Jonathan Jackson yeah. uh, and Dahlia Gar- uh, Dahlia Ramirez and others uh, are newly mentored members of Congress. What is it about the black church? Because you you pointed that out. You said the black church is a force in this race, um, in the first congressional district race. You said whoever has the black church has got the seat. Please explain. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, the black church uh, traditionally, historically, has been the bedrock of black politics. Molly um, mm-hmm. King, Shuttleworth, Abernathy, um, you know, souls to the polls. You know, it's Reverend just, Jackson, Reverend, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Jesse Jackson. I mean, it's, it's just historically have been, poli- you know, you know, politics, you know, across the board, locally, federally, you know, on a state on a state level. Um, and it's that tradition that, you know, those church vote, black church voters hold dearly, very dearly. Um, and it's just that type of that activism that's infused, you know, with the, you know, religion and with the spirituality that, you know, it's all about action, you know, and putting it into action. And that's something that they, you know, have continuously year after year, you know, hold dear, you know, when it comes to elections. Uh, when Jonathan Jackson was running, I knew he had the black vote and Santina, I told you he's going to win. I know it. And he did. So I think and Mr. Starks is right on the point. Uh, uh, Willie Wilson has the black church vote, you know, and he loves church. He goes to church himself, you know, very much so. And and I don't think no other candidate, you know, has that bond, you know, like Willie Wilson. It's just like Dorothy Brown, when mm-hmm. she was Cook County for clerk. She always exactly. had a black vote. She, she, and no matter how many times the media attacked her, you know, the, the white, you know, mainstream, she always, she always came through. That's just because she always had that strong bond. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. that's the reason why, as we can see what happened on Sunday, when Reverend James Meeks gave his last sermon, you know, mm-hmm. guess who was there? Lori Lightfoot. Because she knows the power of the black church vote. And you cannot... She does not have a base in the black church. Now, let's let's be real about it. She does not have a base in the black church. Why not? She's trying to catch up. I don't know. Uh... I don't know of any black church that she's a member of. Do you know, uh, Brother Johnson? No, I do not. In fact, I, vo- I spoke to a very prominent pastor uh, on Friday, and he supported Lori Lightfoot in 2019. He said he will not be doing that this time around. In fact, he called Lori Lightfoot Rahm Emanuel's third term. Is that fair? I mean, look, she walked into a city that was broke and then we had a pandemic. I mean, this this was unprecedented. America and the, the city, the state, the country and the world shut down for two years. So, I mean, a lot of things that you are ambitious to try, the, everything went out the window starting at the end of 2019. That was a year into her term. Every, everything yes. went out the window. I mean, so is that really fair? Yes, but remember, the major uh, 
destructive thing that happened in the in the uh, pandemic was the failure of the schools. Mm. What has she done to re, you know, uh, reenact and, and 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 refurbish the school system? Do you realize that there are schools in this high schools in this city that have six hundred, five hundred students? Do you understand? Mm. Has that been on her? Uh, agenda to deal with. First of all, we don't have a system of, uh, you know, uh, accountability. We don't know who is in schools and who are not, because uh, the Dale, uh, Richard Daly uh, got rid of the uh, the system that tracks students in the public schools. So you know, there are schools that have no libraries and no librarians schools that have no counselors. Has she addressed that? I, I agree with you that, that the pandemic was a major destructive thing in the city, but has she addressed it after the uh, and there were, pandemic? Right. And there were, also, there were also concerns, too, even during the pandemic. Yes, she, she did well in the beginning of the pandemic. She was a force to be reckoned with. She made sure that people stayed home during a stay, you know, stay at home right. or she closed the front, closed the lakefront down and people praised her. But over time, over time, she made some missteps that really turned heads uh, during the George Floyd protest, you know, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. south west side were looted. And, and police, I was even there right on 47th Street in Calumet in front of a city sports store where you had about 20 police officers and you had people coming out of that store with jerseys and boxes of Nike shoes mm-hmm. and nothing was being done. And it just so happens, police board president Gia Foreman was there and he saw what was going on and he scolded the police officers, took, snatched the box of shoes out of the hands of a, of a, uh, uh, a person and uh, threw him back in and told her to go home. But... During press conferences, Lori said we got lots of calls. We could not get to all of them. That was totally unacceptable. Totally. And she raised bridges downtown. She mm-hmm. put National Guardsmen along Roosevelt Road. And she did everything in her power to protect the Loop and the North Side. But she did nothing on the South. And people still remember that. But that was Let the well, let me go to Janae from the West Side. I at least want to bring in at least one caller. And Howard, I'm going to come to you as well. Janae from the West Side. How you doing, Janae? Good morning. This is actually Renee from Renee. the West Side. Renee. Happy Thanks New Year, me. Renee. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, too. I just quickly want to say that sometimes I think the um, corporate media is unfair to Lori Lightfoot, to Mayor Lightfoot. But then when I look at the things she actually does, I'm just, I can't defend her too much. Uh, She's taking CHA housing land, public housing land, and she wants to build this state-of-the-art high school on that land, even though you have Jones right there. You have high schools that are underutilized that benefit from having... Uh, Phillips High School, right. To those schools with the students who are there already. That'll help with integrating our high schools. She has my water bill. When I look at my water bill, Santita, I pay 
$320 a month because mm. I don't have a meter for a water bill. There are five of us. We don't take that many baths. And Peter, our water bill would be, be that much. I don't see her doing anything too much better than what Ron Emanuel did. We know we have a racist water department. Did she weed those people out of there? Um, my parks, they don't look better than they did. Uh, well, they, they're the same as when Emanuel was there because he neglected our parks. I don't see her doing anything to make me want to vote for her. Regarding Billy Wilson, I think he has the leanings of a Republican. So I cannot vote for him. He brought. But Jim, but I mean, is he, was first is he the right wing Republican or is he the traditional? Well, let me ask you this: Is he? Because I hear that a lot about. I hear that about mm-hmm. him a lot. But he reminds me of my grandmother, mm-hmm. and you know, our grandparents mm-hmm. were, they were Republican. <laughs> Dr. King was a Republican. Absolutely, <laughs> they were. Economically, yeah, but no. But I'm saying even then, you know, my grandmama Gertrude believed you get up and you go to work. If you don't work, you don't eat, and all of that, all that, all. That all that. I mean, you know, th- that's a very, very mm-hmm. real strain in the black community now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, well, stay right there, Renee. I mean, Dr. Starks, Eric, Dr. Starks, do you understand what I mean? I understand clearly. Uh, my grandmother was a Republican. You know, uh, yeah. they they came out of an era when the Republican Party uh, was active and helped to bring uh, forth the civil rights legislation mm-hmm. and the whole bit. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the major criticisms of Mayor Lightfoot is the, uh, the fact that she promised to bring back the mental health centers. And she did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and and. Johnson brought that up, and I agree with you, Johnson. That is a major thing because, you know, mental health in the public schools, in the general public, in the black community is a major issue, and especially as well as as well as suicides. You know, we never heard of suicides at this rate. 10, 15 years ago. Now it's a major issue, and uh, mental health is a major issue. So the, the the mental health centers are desperately needed back in the black community, as well as across every community in the city. Mm. But I understand the caller's concern Eric? about Willie Wilson's political uh, party affiliation, because, yes, uh, some of our, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents were you know, Republicans, but Republicans today is not the same as Republicans true. of yesterday. Absolutely. Okay. True. It's true. Republicans today have more, people have more of a deeper, a deeper distrust of Republicans because it has been infused with white supremacy and racism and, of course, Trumpism. You know, and I but, but, but then, but, but having said that, Eric, why do you think that he has taken root in the black community in such a profound way? I mean, because Willie, Dr. Willie Wilson resonates with black people profoundly in this city. Why? Because of his charity and his generosity. He cares. Okay. He cares enough. He cares enough to uh, reach out and give money to those in need. He goes to these black mm-hmm. churches. He gave them cash. They were the gas cars. No other person was doing that at the time. Exactly. But everyone, exactly. and, and let's let's not let's also admit he's a success story. 
You know, mm-hmm. black love, black love when black succeed, when they're a success story, and when he's attacked by the media, black even rally around them anymore. That's a given. Mm-hmm. That's a given. Okay, and he's always he's not he's not he's always been an outsider when it comes to politics and to the, that's a that's a plus as well. You know, there's a deep distrust with the political establishment. Everyone <laughs> voted for Lori because they felt like she will break, break that, break that political mm-hmm. machine. Finally, and and you know, no doubt that she is one of the smartest people you you'll ever meet. You'll very ever meet. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. But you know, but the, but you know, and I think that's why it's in, but I think that's why it's important for us to contextualize the times in which we're living. I want us to understand January 6th. January 6th was about much more than Trump. Remember, we had the student debt bubble at the beginning of the of the 2000s. We have had the the housing market collapse. We have lost so many black the black middle class has been gutted, not just in Chicago but all around all over the country. country. Yeah. And we have not, and then the banks collapsed on us. We haven't recovered from any of that. We're we're two decades and some change into this into this new millennium. And guess what? Now it's at white people. So when you see this mistrust and this distrust of all all of, of the media, of the government, of everything, you gotta. I mean, people are looking for folks who are going to go in and shake up the system. That's why people like President Trump. I'm, not, I'm just saying they think if someone's going to walk in there and and turn turn over the tables, that's what they want. They want somebody who's going to do that. And so, you know what? I want you guys to come back. And can you stay with me on Facebook Live for a couple of minutes? Just a couple extra minutes. Just just a couple. Just a couple. I want to get some closing thoughts from you all. Renee, are you still there? Or have you run into class, Madam Renee? Start working in, in about a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> then you get the you get the last thirty seconds, Renee. Thirty seconds are yours. Well, you know what? Thank you. I just want to say I understand the stuff about Republicans. I I have voted for Republicans before, but I cannot support somebody who supports the policies of Bruce Rauner. And I think some mm-hmm. of that generosity that uh, uh, Willie Wilson has these days. You might call it electioneering. Well, what would you call it when you're paying people to get their votes because that seems to be what it is? He didn't live in Chicago. And I have a problem with his factory, too. He has a factory. He gets his gloves and stuff from China. What about all the people that can train over here? What's that saying about give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach him to fish, he eats for a lifetime? Well, very quickly, who impresses you in the race? Here. Who impresses you in the race? Ten seconds. And Chuy Garcia. Okay. Well, you know what? They're like running one and two in some polls. And Paul Vallis, Paul Vallis doesn't strike your fancy? No, no. Okay. All right. (laughs) There's so much. I cannot wait to have you guys back. Oh, boy, because we are in it. Look, y'all, January 26th, WCPT is going to have this mayoral debate. You don't want to miss it. But, boy, things are about to get real hot in Chicago between now in February and now in the spring. Love it. <laughs> Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube YouTube channel. And Santita Jackson, friends, I love you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you, board operator, for a great show. I'll see you tomorrow, God willing. <laughs>